walking around uh, beautiful Saratoga Park there. And I think that's a symbol of the reunion that we're going to have when our Lord Jesus Christ returns for us. You know, we live in a broken, fallen world. We live in a world filled with things like ALS. And I will never understand fully until I get to heaven why God allows some to come down with something and and others then live to be 95 or 99 or 101 and he takes some home earlier and others have to suffer and others seem to have uh, a life that's, that's filled with less suffering. They're just difficult things to understand in this day and age that we live in. And I look at my sister this morning, sitting over here on this front row. And I just, uh, you know, we've only been here a year, Krista, but uh, love you dearly, and we're praying for you. And why God has allowed you to walk the road that you're walking right now, I will never understand. But we love you, and we pray with you, and we pray for you. And it's the kind of world that we live in. Earth is in heaven. But the great news is Jesus Christ is returning to this planet. And if you listen to the words of the song that the choir sang this morning, every eye is going to see him and every knee will bow before him one day and acknowledge him as Lord. And we've been talking about the second coming, the return of our Lord Jesus Christ now for the past couple of weeks And I want to just review with you for a moment this morning some of the highlights that we've learned here in this book. We know for a fact that he's coming again. We know that he's coming for his people, all of those who have trusted him as Savior and who are following him as Lord. And we know that this is the believer's blessed hope. And so regardless of where you are today, whether you're in a situation like Ted or whether you're walking a road like Krista or whatever it is you may be going through, this is our blessed hope as believers that our Lord Jesus Christ is coming again. And it's a a source of great encouragement. If you read the end of 1 Thessalonians 4 and if you look at verse 11 in chapter 5, these two passages which we've been looking at over the last couple of weeks then this is a great source of encouragement for us as we go through the afflictions and the hardships and the heartaches of life. We can pin our star to this wagon. We can, we can put our hopes in, our, in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to just say now for a moment, for those of you who may be here today and you have never fully trusted Christ as Savior and Lord. It is the most important decision that you will ever make. There are a lot of important decisions in life, but this is the most important. Because what is the believer's blessed hope is also going to be a day of disaster and destruction for those who do not believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. God's heart is not that. God's heart is that you spend eternity with him. But for those of who, of, uh, who have not trusted him, it will be a day of disaster and destruction. And so we've been learning about that over the last couple of weeks. Now, just a couple of other things that we've seen as we've worked our way through these 
passages of Scripture. Jesus Christ is coming in person. Now, just think about that for a minute. Jesus Christ is coming in person. Now, you need to learn not to sit on the front row, but you're up here again. Like a dummy, here you are, Russ, and so you're going to get picked on. Go ahead and stand up, and I love you. You're my brother, okay? You're a good brother, and I like meeting you in person. And it's, it, it's great to meet friends in person and to fellowship in person. But I want you to get your head around this. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, is coming to this planet in person. In person. And we're going to look on him our Lord and Savior, who died for us. Now, doesn't that get you excited to think that you're going to see his face in person? He's coming in person, and he's coming in great power, in great triumph. We saw that in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. It's going to be a great day of triumph. And then we learned last week that he's coming Suddenly, and he's coming swiftly. He's coming in an hour when people will not expect him. And so it's important to be watching. It's important to be prepared for the Lord's return. And these are the great truths now that we've been focusing on. And so now today we're going to begin a transition. And as I told you, you're going to need to take your notes home because we're not going to get all the way through them today. And I want to pick up again next week because I, I want to finish my sermon. But we're going to break it into two halves this morning, okay? And we're just going to get our feet wet. So how should we be living in light of these great truths that we've been learning? How does God want us to live? This is a very important question. Now, what amazes me as we transition in this book from verse 11 in chapter 5, where we've been talking about these great truths of our Lord's return and our reunion with Him, we're going to be caught up in the air to meet Him. As we make this transition, notice that Paul puts his feet firmly planted on earth. He becomes very, very practical. And I want you to see that as we look at verse 12 today, because the Bible is very, very practical. It's not a book on theory. It's not a theoretical book. It's a practical book. And so now he's going to get into the daily details of our living, and we're going to wrestle with this question of how should we be living in light of the Lord's return? And the first thing that I notice as we get into these verses of Scripture is that God is all about wanting to transform our lives. He wants our lives to be changed. He wants our lives 
to be different. The Bible is not a book about information. God is not interested in us just learning new truths about him. He's interested in those truths changing our lives. And so the book, the Bible is a book about transformation, not just information, and it's very practical. It's not just theoretical. And so what we're going to see now in these next four or five verses is Paul is going to be talking now about right attitudes and right activities and right actions. He cares very much about how we're living now in light of that day that we're looking forward to, in light of then. So would you bow your heads with me one more time? Lord, now, as we get our feet wet this morning, and as we look at the first couple of thoughts in this passage, and then as we come back next week, I'd, ha- I'd ask you, Lord, to help us to see that you're interested in how we live today in light of that day, and you care very, very much how we relate to each other. And what we do in our daily living to your glory and honor. So, Lord, help us now to hear your word. The words of the Apostle Paul, which are your word in this book. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And so the first thing that Paul talks about here in verse 12 is our attitude. Having right attitudes. And then he's going to talk about right activities and right actions in our lives, and we'll pick up there next week. But this morning, I want to talk about our attitude. Notice what he says here in 1 Thessalonians, verses 12 and 13. Now we ask you, brothers, to respect those who work hard among you, who are over you in the Lord, and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard... In love, because of their work, live in peace with each other. Now, these are very important words for the First Baptist Church of Westerlo to hear. I believe that with all of my heart as you prepare to call a new pastor sometime here in the next several months or sometime in this next year, God is going to bring a new pastor to this church And when he does, it's important that as followers of Christ, we have the right attitude toward our elder board, because our elders are our spiritual leaders, and this pastor that's going to come alongside of them to serve with them in leading this church. And so the first thing that Paul wants to talk about is the the attitude of Christ followers, and next week, we're, as we pick back up, we're going to talk about the ministry of leaders because I think God has something to say about leaders to elders and pastors in this passage of Scripture too. But notice, please, that these believers were going through heartache and hardship and affliction, and it was difficult to have a good attitude. Let me ask you, When you go through pain, or you go through difficulty, or you're having a bad day at the office, 
Is it easy to have a good attitude? Well, I'll answer the the question for me, okay? I don't know how you'd answer, but I know how I answer. It's not easy to have a good attitude. It's not easy to have the kind of attitudes that Paul's talking about in this passage of Scripture when I'm having a bad day at the office, and by bad day at the office, I, mean, I, I just mean I'm having a bad hair day, okay? It's just not a good day. And, and you're in pain, or you're, you've gone through some heartache, or you're going through some hardship. The Thessalonican Christians were going through hardship. They were going through affliction. They were being persecuted for their faith. And so it wasn't easy always to have the kinds of attitudes that Paul talks about in this passage of Scripture. But Paul still talks about it. An attitude is very important because guess what? You can't do anything about your circumstances. Now, sometimes you can. Sometimes things happen in our lives and you can do something about it. You can change it. But guess what? If you get cancer, well, you know, maybe you could have eaten differently or maybe you could have done this differently or maybe you could have gotten more sleep. I mean, you read all this kinds of stuff. But guess what? It's out, it's, it's out of your control. You can't always control what happens to you, what happens in your life, what you're going through. Ted didn't ask for ALS. He didn't wake up some morning and say, well, I think I'd just like to get ALS someday. He, he, he didn't go looking for that. And so things happen to us in our lives that are outside of our control. And when things happen that you can't control, there's only one thing, really, that you control, and that's your attitude, your attitude your response to the things that happen to you in your life. And so Paul's going to talk about right attitudes now in these two verses of Scripture. Viktor Frankl, who went through the Holocaust, was born into a Jewish family and spent part of his life at that concentration camp of Auschwitz, wrote these words. He said... The last of the human freedoms is to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances. And many years ago, I picked up a a little article from Chuck Swindoll. And this is what he said about attitude. He said, the longer I live, the more I realize the impact of attitude on life. Attitude to me is more important than facts. It's more important than the past, more important than your education, more important than money, than circumstances, than failures, than successes, than what other, what other people think or say or do. It's more important than appearance or giftedness or skill. It will make or break a company. It will make or break a church. It will make or break a home. The remarkable thing is we have a choice every day regarding the attitude we'll embrace for that day. We cannot change our past. We cannot change the fact that people will act in a certain way 
And sometimes people act in a way that we would prefer for them not to act. We cannot change the inevitable. The only thing we can do is play on the one string we have, and that is our attitude. And I'm convinced, he wrote, that it's 10% what happens to me. Life is 10% what happens to me and 90% how I react to it. When I was in Nebraska, back in the, the old days when you used to print things on printing presses, I ran something to the local printer's shop one day to have it printed for our church family. And I stumbled across this little piece of paper that was lying on the counter. I picked it up, and I've kept it, and I put it in my files, and this is what it says. Got a little date on here, October 18th. 1995, Hastings College. I shared it with a bunch of college students. And this is what it says. The problem is not the problem. The problem is one's attitude about the problem. It's our response to what happens to us. And so the Bible has a lot to say about right attitudes In fact, I ran across this interesting statement. The mark of true spirituality is your attitude. That's why Paul begins with talking about attitudes here in verse 12. And he's going to end up talking about actions in verses 14 and 15, which we'll get to next week. But this person said this, The mark of true spirituality is your attitude, which determines your actions, how you will behave and how you will act as you go through life in your relationships with others. So there are three attitudes. Let me just mention them before we close in prayer. They're all listed for you there in verses 12 and 13. Three simple attitudes that Paul talks about. The first is the attitude of appreciation. Appreciating the other people in your life. He says in verse 12, Now we ask you, brothers, respect. The New American Standard Version says, Appreciate. Respect or appreciate or regard with favor those who work hard among you, who are over you in the Lord, and who admonish you. And then notice the word respect in verse 12. That's an attitude. The attitude of respecting others, having respect for them. It's a God-like characteristic. And he says, hold your leaders in highest regard. Esteem them very highly. And that Greek word means esteem them super abundantly or beyond all measure. In other words, esteem them, give them respect, give them high regard. And I want you to notice, Paul doesn't pin this attitude on your leader's personality or their charisma or how funny they are or how good-looking they are or whatever it might be that you might want to have in a leader. Your next pastor will not be perfect because he'll be human. 
And he may not be short like me. He may be tall like John Gardner. He'll be different. He'll be different than Pastor Brian was. He'll be different than Pastor Randy is. But he'll be who God calls to serve this church. And he'll want you, God will want you to give him the highest regard, to esteem him highly, just as you're called on to esteem highly your elders, regardless of how perfect or imperfect they are. Please notice that this this command is based on their position, who are over you in the Lord, and their faithful work. And I can testify, because I I serve with these elders right now, you've got a bunch of servant-hearted elders who care a lot about your well-being. And they don't meet till 11 or 11.30 on Tuesday nights just to have fun. They meet from 11 to 11.30 on Tuesday nights once or twice a month to pray for and to talk about this church family because they have the well-being of this ministry at, at their heart. And the Bible says that we're to esteem them highly. We're to, we're to pay high regard for them because of their position, even though they will sometimes do something imperfect. And then the final attitude of this verse of Scripture this morning is harmony or living at peace with one another. And it's interesting to me that this is also a command. It's not an option. This is an imperative in the Greek language, and it's in the present tense, which means that we're to be constantly working on living in harmony and being at peace with one another. We're to cultivate peace And as we wrap this up this morning, I just want to put a little exclamation point on this or a little footnote on this this sermon. This last attitude of being willing to be at peace with each other, of living in, in harmony with each other, is very, very important. We live in a attack... get even, destroy you kind of culture. We live in a culture that wants to bring you down or tear you down. And one of the most disheartening things to me about this presidential election that we're getting ready to go through with, through, through, is the, the attacking, the, the, the mudslinging, the, the slander, all of the stuff on, on both sides of the aisle. It's just discouraging. It's disheartening to to see our country in this kind of situation. Well, guess what? We can be different. By the grace of Christ and with the Holy Spirit in our lives, we can be different. We can march to the beat of a different drummer. And and that's one of the ways we're called on to stand out is by living in peace with one another, being in harmony with each other. And so Paul has a lot to say about this in these short verses of Scripture. And these all center around our attitude. Our attitudes are very important. And our attitudes affect our actions and how we live and affect each other as we live with each other in the body of Christ. Okay, we're going to stop there this morning in the middle and we'll pick up again next week. 
And uh, Christian is going to step over to the piano now, and we're going to close with this wonderful hymn, which the choir sang a couple of months ago. I hope you were listening when they sang it. They sang it beautifully. And now we're, we have an opportunity to sing the first two verses. We've got three of them on the screen for you, I think. We've got 